Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend. Welcome into the conversation. I want to thank you. I'm so appreciative of the fact that you're sitting here or walking around or exercising, mowing the lawn, whatever you're doing, listening to this conversation. And I appreciate you. I appreciate your presence because without you, this conversation wouldn't be taking place. I mean, I would probably still be talking, but it'd be like the tree falling in the forest. There'd be some vibration, (laughs) but no one would be listening. And so technically there is no sound. And so, I just want you to know that I understand that you being present completes the equation. Now, as I proceed here, I want to tell you that I'm not really sure where this conversation is going today. I'm just present to a few things, a few ideas that are kind of rumbling around in my head, and I thought I would sit down in front of the microphone and see what comes out. The other day, I was plunging the toilet. I have... uh, a son that is atypical, and for some reason or another, sometimes an inordinate amount of toilet paper uh, gets flushed and doesn't make it all the way down. And then I have to come in behind him and plunge it out. But while I was in the middle of it, I took my camera out, I took out my phone out, and took a selfie with me in the toilet in the background saying, here is the typical day of a world-class coach. And my intention was to post it on Instagram, In contrast to all the pictures I see of young people, mostly young women in high fashion or in beach settings, saying, I'm living the life. I'm coaching from the beach. And I have to tell you, them sitting poolside with their computer, I've never been able to do that because the glare of the sun just washes out the screen. I've never been able to get any productive work done at the poolside. So when I'm at the poolside... I'm at the poolside. When I'm working, I'm working in my office, typically. And so I guess my point is that a lot of the images that you see out there of lifestyle and you know what you see on Facebook is just a snapshot of the possible life that they're living. And you don't know how much of that is created. There's filters. There's AI enhancements. There's all these ways to manipulate the image to present Uh, a falsehood. (laughs) It's not the truth. And if you stop for a moment and take a look at what happens in an ordinary person's life, or even an extraordinary person's life, much of it is mundane. Much of it is ordinary. Much of it is repetitive from day to day. It's been said that life happens in the between, in the between these extraordinary moments. It's the pull, and there is a pull of the ordinary and the mundane. It just is part of life. And I think from my perspective as a peak performance coach, and I say peak performance coach, I I work with people, you know, to operate the higher levels of their capacity. But that's not all the time. It's when the demand is there. It's in those key moments where they need to pull out more of their resources in order to make a difference for their life and for others. But with that said, by and large, most moments of the day don't call upon that level of intensity. 
And so as we look around the marketplace, look around the world, look around social media, we saw see all these examples of people, I, I guess, essentially putting their best foot forward or what they consider the most desirable image that they have to represent themselves. I've been having conversations with my young son. He's in his early 20s, and he's somewhat fresh in the dating world, fresh enough to know that you know, not everyone is presenting their authentic self when they first meet. In fact, he's found himself holding back his true expression. I mean, who he really is, kind of monitoring what he says and holding back certain behaviors. And I certainly remember doing that quite often when I was younger putting my best foot forward, putting, you know, a pretense out there, this is who I am, and only to arrive at two, three months down the road, realizing that I had created a false image. And now this person was attracted to this persona that I was putting out there. And then I was on the receiving end of that too. Women would present themselves in a particular way, say that they liked certain lifestyle, certain activities. And then once we were together, once we were coupled and those options came available. Oh, I don't want to do that. I, I have no interest in doing that. And then I've coached people too, where they've gotten into a relationship. And I can remember one woman, the, the guy said that he was open to having kids until it came time to having kids. And then I don't want kids. I, have not, I, I don't want children. And as a consequence, it was the end of the relationship and she was heartbroken. But what that points out is that a lot of people will bend the truth or withhold certain information in order to receive the acceptance of those other people, the acceptance of others, fearing that if they were actually authentic, that they would be rejected. What if they don't like me? What if I'm myself and they don't like me? Well, <laughs> they don't like you. I mean, find someone that does like you. It took me a long time to realize that that was actually the person that I needed to be with, someone that accepted me for who I was, authentically who I was, uh, in the high points and the low points. And my wife will probably be one of the first to tell you that I am not perfect. But then again, <laughs> nobody is. I'm perfectly imperfect. I have attributes and I have liabilities. And we're all doing the best we can with the resources we have at any given moment. And that's all we can do. And so if you're presenting a false image, something that is not sustainable, or take a look at the things that you're attracted to, the, the models, the idols, the paragons of virtue out there that you are emulating, are they authentic? Are they presenting an image that is sustainable day in, what, you know, just taking it from the perspective of being human. Is it possible that that is actually their life? Okay, so I have to be transparent here. I had to pause the recording because uh, I was talking and I couldn't figure out what am I saying? I was pondering what point is coming about here. And I guess if there's a message in what I've said so far is I want you to be yourself to the best of your ability, and know that that isn't the defining projection. I mean, whatever you're projecting at any given moment is not the total or the sum total of all that you are. It's just a snapshot. And then again, when you're looking out at the world, looking out at other people, uh, avoid comparison because there is no comparison. Each person is on their own journey. And what I like to say is each person is on the cutting edge of their own discovery 
or the brink of their own epiphany, their, their current insight. And all you know is all you know at any given moment. And you don't know what you're going to learn or what you're going to be opened up to in the next moment. And so the richness, the, the real riches, I guess, in the world, in your experience is being present right now present and aware of what's going on in your life and your connection to it, your involvement, your thinking about it, being present to it and not just writing it through, not being a spectator in life, but actually being, as they say, on the court, in the arena. Because when we're present to the moment, when we're immersed in the moment as a participant, then it does not occur as ordinary It is through our attention, through our focus, through our presence to the situation that makes it extraordinary. There's this Zen phrase that says, before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. For the longest time, I didn't really understand that. But now that I've achieved a certain amount of enlightenment, I realize that it doesn't really shift the ordinary aspects of life. You're just present to it. You have a different awareness as you engage in the process of living. And so as you move about on the spiritual path, you don't reach a point where suddenly all your problems go away. You just handle them differently. You might not be as attached to the outcome. You might not be as uh, aggravated by you know something showing up that you don't necessarily want because you can allow the expectation of what you thought was going to occur to be released and just be present to what's going on in this moment. It is what it is. Acceptance has been a big part of, you know, acceptance of what is has been a big part of my spiritual path or it has created a lot of peace of mind, let's say that. But I think it's accepting the things you cannot change is a big part of reaching a certain amount of spiritual maturity. It's kind of like the perspective, well, that happened. Now what? What's the next move? How can we stop the bleeding? How can we, I think of it as triage. How can we stop the hemorrhaging? How can we stop the bleeding in order to minimize the damage and move on? Get yourself battle ready and get back in there, young man. Get back in there, soldier. That old adage, there's no use in crying over spilt milk, is so profound. You know, when something happens, you usually cannot reverse it, and you just have to deal with it. You either clean it up, you mop it up, you set it aside, and you pour yourself another cup. Or you you go to the store and buy more. Or you go out to the barn and milk another cow. But to get caught up in the conversation that you shouldn't have spilled it, it you could have done something differently, or if you hadn't have put it there, then... See, once it happened, it happened. You can never shoulda, coulda done anything, but you caught up in that conversation of shoulda, coulda, then you are in suffering because you're present, part of your mind's present to the fact that it happened. You know, the milk got spilled and to pro- project that it couldn't have happened or it shouldn't have happened is just fantasy. The fact is it, it happened. That's also one of the causes for long-term grieving is when we cannot accept the fact that we lost someone or we were disappointed. Because we grieve in all different ways. We grieve for when someone dies, either prematurely or at the end of their life. And prematurely is a judgment because essentially it happened when it happened. They're dead. 
they died. It's over. They're no longer in physical form. Now, I know enough to know that the spirit goes on. And so we never really die. No one ever really dies. But once you can face the fact that that life ended, like when my dad died, he died. He left the planet. I still have a relationship with him. But with that said, the grieving is not only in the acceptance, but it's also in the releasing of the possibilities that we were playing out in our mind. The projections, the projected futures, how we were going to run with them, how we were going to play with them. And suddenly when we're faced with the fact that that's not going to happen or they're not going to have the life that I envisioned for them, I have to accept that. I have to put that future, put that that all that energy wrapped up into that thought form that I had projected out in the future for them. I have to recall that energy. I recall this young woman, Rhonda, Rhonda and Luke, and Rhonda lost her baby after six months and they had named her. They had decorated the baby room. They had put all these, all this energy into motion, all the possibilities and the visions that they had for this baby and the baby did not make it to term. And she had the hardest time, and understandably so. But part of that was, in that healing, was not only accepting the death, the incompleteness of the birth process, but also recalling all the energy that was sent out in on her behalf, on the baby's behalf. And I don't remember the baby's name that they'd chosen, but it doesn't matter. So one of the things that we did is we recalled her energy back to her. And knowing that she still had a relationship with that baby, and that baby might come in, the soul of that baby might come in in a different form, in a different way, and still be connected to her life. But she had to cut the cord, so to speak. She had to reclaim her energy. And once she did that, she was actually open to having another baby. Before that, she didn't even want to consider it. And so these attachments that we have can suck the life out of us in the present moment. Our attachment to be seen in a particular way, our attachment to be validated by others and not relying on our own inner validation, our own inner signals. That was one of my greatest lessons when I was younger, is learning to listen to my own inner signals, to be inner directed and to guide my life from my own Uh, hard space, my own intentions, my own desires, instead of acquiescing to the expectations of others. It's been interesting over the years being tied to the self-help industry. There's been giants that I've studied with, that I've rubbed shoulders with in the industry. You know them. They're published authors, they're speakers, they're teachers, and some really big names in today. And I've seen a different side of them. I've seen some very human aspects of them, even some abnormal human aspects to them. Yet, who am I to judge? And really, if the things that they're teaching help someone else, if it improves their life, transforms their life through a word, through a look, then the job was delivered. The message was delivered. Don't shoot the messenger. And it's a reminder that none of us are beyond reproach. None of us are perfect. We all have things that we deal with. And I think it's important just for me to say again that 
I want to I want to make sure that you know that I'm human, that I'm doing the best that I can, and I've made some strides, I've hit some milestones, but but I have others to reach. And so my teachings have been to not follow me blindly. I end every episode, follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed. I want you to follow your own heart. I want you to have discernment. I want you to look around the marketplace and look at who are the people that you emulate. Who do you want to be like? And do you really? I suggest you steal the best and leave the rest, even with me. Everything that I say, everything that I teach, everything that I espouse, I want you to validate in your own experience. I want you to come to your own truth, discernment. Now, discernment is from consideration, not a knee-jerk response. You consider the possibilities, you entertain the ideas, you're in the inquiry. Is this the right thing? Does it sound true? Does it apply to me? Does it work universally across different contexts of my life? So, it has not been lost on me that I've been all over the map on this, but let me see if I can tie this together. One, I want you to live your life from inner signals. Don't worry about impressing other people. Impress yourself. If you're going to compete against someone, compete against your last best effort. See if today that you can't be 10% better, 15% better than you were yesterday. And then tomorrow, can you be 10%, 15, 20% better than you were today? And before long, you'll be the best in your field because you'll continually be improving upon yourself. And then in relationships, if you're seeking to be validated by external people, whether it be your followers, whether it be the public or your loved ones or someone you're dating, someone you're just meeting, then you are a slave, you're a puppet to be manipulated by their expectation or what you perceive their expectation to be. And so when you can live honestly and authentically from your own heart, then you can be true to yourself. As Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true, and so it shall follow as the night the day. Thou canst be false to any man. And so when you're authentic, when you're, you're presenting yourself as authentically as possible, there's nothing to hide. There's no fear in being found out. There's, you know, if you are engaged in a relationship and just starting out, when you're authentically yourself and they love you for who you are authentically and they don't want to change you, they, they don't want you to be anything other than what you are, then you know that you have a connection. But if you have a relationship based on inauthenticity, based on lies and misperceptions, then you are on shaky ground. And then there's acceptance, accepting the people in our life for who they are and how they are and not wanting to make them any different than the way they are. When we can accept them for who they are, we can love them for how they are, then we do them the greatest amount of honor and respect. When we can accept ourselves as this is where I am today and love that aspect of yourself and also love the wanting to be better tomorrow. But it is the acceptance and love that you can provide yourself today that gives you the platform to move forward, to even want to go forward. From time to time over the years, I've encountered people that have wanted to, quote-unquote, unalive themselves. I think that statement is such a crock of shit. Unalive yourself. Kill yourself. Suicide. It's, it's the ending of your life. 
I, at one time in my life, I thought about it for a moment or two. I considered it. What would life would be like? What would the world be like without me? And there was a time when I thought it would be better without me. But it's not true. See, you are engaged in the epic adventure. You are a spiritual being immersed in the human experience. And sometimes the human experience is hard. Sometimes it's tough, especially when we don't have the right strategy. We don't have the right mindset yet. And you want to know what? I just had an epiphany. (laughs) How this started out. It's come full circle. Life is not perfection. It is a broken road. And wherever you are in your life, you can look back over the path. And it has been a broken road. But it is not the end. At any point along the way, you get to decide how it unfolds. It's your being present in the present moment, loving yourself, loving the journey, knowing that it's going to be bumpy, knowing it's not perfect, knowing it's going to be rough, necessary roughness. And that's actually, you know, that they've just proven that neuroplasticity requires a certain amount of tension, a certain amount of roughness, a certain amount of irritation in the mind, agitation in the mind, that when your mind is agitated, it starts to build new neural connections in order to figure out a way around the situation. And so if you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. You're not done yet. There's a lot more to discover. There's something new just around the corner that you've not yet realized. If you've been knocked down, get up. And if you get knocked down again, get up again. You see, I've had moments in my life, moments where I've been knocked down, moments where I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. And I would consider, maybe I just quit all this. Maybe I stopped teaching. Maybe I stopped putting myself out there. I mean, I'm the one that declared this mission. No one gave it to me. No one gave it to me. No one gave it to me. No one said, this is what you have to do. It's what I decided to do. And sometimes it's a lot of, it feels like it's a lot on my shoulders. Sometimes it feels like more than I want to put out on a given day. But no one says that I can't fold up my tent and go home. But when I consider folding up my tent and realize the unrealized potential, what the, the roads that I won't travel, the, the topics I won't broach, the people I won't talk to, if I stop. And I'm not humongous yet, but who knows? Who knows what's possible? But even in my small corner of the world, there's tens of thousands of people that I've touched. And I get entirely that on a planet with seven and a half billion people, tens of thousands of people aren't that many. But it made a difference for them. The other day I was having a conversation, and frankly, I can't remember who I was having the conversation with, but I made the statement from the Bible. It says, many are called, but few hear the call, or rather few heed the call. Few people really take it to heart. Really, few people really follow through. There was a a, a marketer. I was telling all his marketing secrets, all the ways he made money, and he says, I don't mind telling you because I know most of you won't even pay attention. And even the ones that uh, will pay attention won't put it into practice. So uh, I'm not taking any money out of my pocket. But that statement, many are called, few heed the call. You're not required to heed the call. But if you hear the possibility in your life, if you see a potential, even if you're frustrated in your life right now, that frustration, you know what that frustration is? Why are you frustrated? It's not because you don't have the capacity. It's not because you don't have the possibility. It's because you know you're capable of more. 
and you just haven't yet found a way, haven't yet found or connected all the dots. If you're completely apathetic, that's because you've given up. That's harder to deal with, but not impossible. This is where you need to become an automaton. If you don't, automaton is like a robot. If you don't have the feeling, if you feel apathetic about your life, just start walking in a direction. If you did know what to do, if you did know where you wanted to go or, or some place was appealing, where might you go? And just start moving in that direction. Start moving towards that interest. Start investigating. Even if you don't feel like it, just do it without emotion. Just put yourself in motion and start moving towards something, anything. But if you're frustrated, that's good news. That means that you have potential out there. You know you have potential and you're trying to find the way. You're trying to find the door. You're, you're looking for the path. Oh my gosh. It feels like the energy has shifted in this message. And I want you to know that if you've listened this far and you resonate with this message in any way, that you've been guided here to hear this message. You're, there's no accident that you've made it this far, as far as the way I've been rambling in this, this uh, conversation. Now, if you've been listening for any length of time, you've heard me say that I've been a coach for over 30 years. And that's true. But I've also been a coach, or as a coach, I've also remodeled kitchens. As a coach, I've been a courier for Federal Express. As a coach, I've been a manager for Federal Express. As a coach, I've also sold my plasma for money. As a coach, I've cleaned pools. As a coach, see, I was always a coach. I augmented my income other ways at times when times were lean. During the spiritual summit, uh, the Gathering of Saints, I had a conversation with Jennifer Jarakis, JJ, who is a working actress. She's an acting coach as well, and I'm sure she's had other jobs along the way. We had a conversation off air where New York and L.A. are filled with actors. Everyone is an actor. There's actors working in restaurants. There's actors driving buses. There's act. See, when you declare yourself an actor or an actress or a coach. It just means that is your singular focus. That is the focus, your drive of what you determine yourself to be. It doesn't mean you don't do other things along the way. And as I look back on it, all those other activities, all those other jobs I did support me as a coach. It gives me insight. It gives me different perspectives that I can draw from. And, you know, there are no mistakes. If I look at the universe, how I've been guided along the way, I have a wealth of information. I have a wealth of experience that I can draw upon from different aspects of life. And I just realized that that might have been because I had a conversation in my early 30s when I was studying with Dave Dobson. Dr. Dobson talked to me, pulled me aside and said, you need a lot more life experience. He said, you have a great command of the technique. You have a lot of skill, but you don't have enough depth and breadth to your experience. Because to be an effective hypnotist, it requires more than just being able to put someone into an altered state. <laughs> I just had that realization that that was probably a hypnotic suggestion. He was in, he was one of the best hypnotists on the planet at the time. That, I just find that so interesting. Because now I've, as I'm, I have a whole new appreciation for the detours of Broken Roads and all, all the side alleys that I went down. And I can honestly say that over the years, I've made just about every mistake you can as a human being. 
I didn't necessarily go off course really far or very long, but I have made a lot of mistakes. But I've also learned a lot along the way as well. And I also think that one of my great gifts is I've been able to learn by the mistakes or observing the mistakes that other people have made. I tell you, this conversation has been interesting today. Very interesting. It's been enlightening for me and hopefully enlightening for you in many ways. It started out with a different vibe, a different energy in the beginning, and it has led to this point in time for me to say, I'm so thankful for you, for your listening, for your presence, and your participation in this conversation. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure, and that is filled with the mundane and the ordinary. Until next time.